Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. This morning we continue with commissioning some folks today. What you may not know and what I'd like to invite you to, who I'd like you to invite you to welcome right now is what we call our Stephen Minister. So if you're a Stephen Minister, would you stand up and walk up here right now? Come join me back behind me right here. Can we clap for them as they come up? As they come up behind me, I'll let you know what we mean by Stephen ministers. Stephen ministers are folks that are trained. They go through extensive training, months and months and months of training, and specifically with the intent of helping you and helping folks in our community. They're trained in listening. They're trained in receiving you, probably in your most vulnerable moment. And the beauty of that is they're wired to do that. And with God's help, then, they sit and listen and help and guide. Many of you have had support from a Stephen minister. And then many outside of here had also. And so today we commission three new Stephen ministers. This is not all of them, but this is many of them. And three that we'll commission specifically in a moment. First, I want to ask Bonnie. Bonnie, if you can come up here. Bonnie, tell us. And explain to us how to get a Stevens minister. What's the easiest way and what that looks like when you have one? Thank you, Brian. You're on. Uh, first of all, we're so grateful, Brian, to you and the pastors and all the PCC, how supportive they've been of our ministry. It's just been, it's been so gracious and so wonderful. So those of you who'd like one, we have a table outside. So please stop by and say hello. But also there's the connection card. Yeah. And on that card... Um, you can mark that you like a Stephen minister. But also, we have uh, an amazing, strong presence on the website, and we are pcc.com. And if you go there and click need care or need support, um, it really explains. It's a beautiful explanation of what we do and who we are. And there's a direct link to Stephen Ministry. It's sm at wearepcc.com, but you can just click the link and go and fill out just a short email with your information, and we'll mm-hmm. call back and within 24 hours, and there's a phone number. We have a confidential hotline that you can call, leave a quick message, and someone will return the call. But we'd love to see you stop by. We'd be so blessed to help you carry your burden, so we hope you mm-hmm. come and say hello. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In uh, our newest way of getting connected with anything around here, grab this card in front of you. If you just take your camera and put it over Stephen Ministry in the back, that gets you right to the website right away so that you can get access. I want to bring up Sue Noonan. Sue, tell us about how, if someone wanted to be a Stevens minister, what's happening in the upcoming months to help them do that? So if you feel God calling you to be a Stephen minister, if you're a person that people contact when they are suffering from anxiety, if they're suffering from loneliness, if you just seem to be a person that really wants to reach out to others and to help others, or if you're just interested in how to help people in those situations, um, then what you wanna do is go through training, which we have another class starting in January. So please come to the table, which is outside today, or talk to any of us with blue badges on, and we'll be glad to um, let you know about training and how you can get signed up. Just because you're talking to us doesn't mean you need to do it. So (laughs) if if you feel that, 
you just want to know more about it, please come and talk to us because we always can use more Stephen ministers. There's a lot of people that are going through difficult times mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for your commitment. So I want to bring forth Jackie, Holly, and Karen, if you could come to the front. There you are. You're hiding back here. These three have gone through training. These three are prepared now to receive people. And in many ways, there's probably some trepidation around that. There's some hope around that. And the neat part is God is with you, and he will guide those conversations and people that he brings you. So I'd love to pray over them. Could you put a hand out as a sign of support and blessing? Lord, we acknowledge, oh, as you tell us in Galatians, that we need to carry each other's burdens And Lord, thank you for faithful people like these three and Jackie and Karen and Holly who are beginning a journey of wanting more specifically to carry others' burdens. Lord, thank you that we are healed as we participate in the healing of others. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just not do a work in who they would receive, but also, God, that you would do a work in helping them become more Christ-like as they serve. And so, Lord... Go before them. May their fear be pushed out and may their anticipation increase and may their trust and dependence on you as they serve others grow. So bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask for your help as they begin to serve. And all God's people said, amen. Can we clap for that? Congrats. Thank you. You guys are free to go. Take a look now at our reading for the day on the screen. Hey, greetings, Peninsula Covenant Church. Paul Denai here, one of your missionaries, serving in Chicago and California and around the world. And I'm reading today from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Those who are never at fault in what they say are perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by human beings. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. We who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The word of the Lord. Hope to see some of you at the Glocal Fair next week. 
Nye's one of our mission partners. He's tied to North Park University, which is the uh, university for our denomination. And he's a wise man who's done great things for the Lord. He reads a tough scripture today, a scripture about taming the tongue. Anybody want to leave now? <laughs> Get out while you can. It reminds me of a story in my own life. Uh, I was with one of my kids. They were young. I was putting them to bed. We had bunk beds. And the beautiful part about uh, I loved about nighttime was sitting on the floor the, below the bunk bed and reading to them. And that night, there wasn't a kid in the lower bunk bed. I'm not remembering exactly why, but I know there was only one of my children up in the upper bunk bed. And so I'm reading a book, and it's about a parent and a child having a really neat day together, and they're bonding and playing. And I was looking, I think, for some kudos from my kid at that point. And so we finished the book, and I stood up, and my child was up in the upper bunk, and I peeked over the bunk bed, and I said, hey, that story's kind of like you and I. And there was this pause and kind of odd look on my child's face. And they said to me, uh, not really. <laughs> You're a lot harsher than the dad in the story. <laughs> I kind of felt it a little again. <laughs> it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was the opposite of what I was fishing for. But it was the truth out of the babe of a child. Probably my most sensitive child, so it was easy to write off in the moment. But as I closed the door and walked down the hall, oh, I didn't feel good about being a parent. Can anybody else relate to that? James is wanting the church to learn about the power of the tongue. We've been talking through this series called Faith That Works. Oh, I want my faith to work. <laughs> we talked last week that we should have faith that actually works, that does some works. And the reality is James is yearning for us uh, to really have our faith work in real life. And I believe when our faith works in real life, like taming the tongue we'll talk about, the world begins to notice and begins to realize, wait a minute, how can you do that? And I need to know how to do that. And so as we live into this message today that will be challenging for all of us, what I want us to realize is the following. If we change our language, we can change relationships. And if we change relationships, we can actually change the world. Did you hear that? If we somehow allow God into our lives enough to change our language, the way we deal with one another. It'll radically change relationships, and then the world will be changed. I know that's a high bar, but it's so possible with a God, and that is faith that works. So let's jump in here as we talk about the power of the tongue and trying to tame the tongue. Let's go back to the scripture that Paul read. Open your Bibles. If you have a pew Bible today, go to page 1218. On your own phone or in your own Bible, you'll find it. It's James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. You'll see it also on the screen. James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, page 1218 in the Pew Bible. Here's what it says in verse 3-1. Not many of you should become teachers, 
Can I step down now? Not many of you should become teachers. James is concerned about teachers and what they are actually saying, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So, hey, you who teach, you got to be careful. There's a warning here to teachers. It matters what you say. And there's a warning that those who teach will possibly be judged more. But put that in the context, we're all teachers in many areas of life, aren't we? And so we can broaden that context. And I believe the context gets broadened to everyone in the next line. Look at verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault at what they say is perfect, able to keep their body in check. So then he turns it to everybody. Hey, we all stumble in what we say, not just teachers. So welcome everyone to the party. This isn't just about teachers. And he was referring to teachers in the church specifically, but now he's opened it up to we all. And he says, yeah, we all say the wrong thing from time to time. But look, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. That word perfect is saying mature. They are more mature when they get it right more often than not. They are more mature. This goes back to, remember, perseverance must finish its work so you will be mature and complete. He says that back in chapter 1. So he's using the same context or same wording of perfect, which means mature. And what he's saying is, hey, we all stumble, but you can have self-control. Because remember, if we change our language, what will we do? We'll change relationships. And if we change relationships, we actually will change the world. And so he's calling them to self-control. I'm going to give you three truths today out of this passage, and we just got to the first one. And we all know this one. Here's what it is. The tongue is hard to control. That's what James is saying early on here. Let's just prove how hard the tongue is to control. Just experiment with me. Play along with me right now. Would you grab your tongue? (laughs) Come on. Would you just grab... Lisa shook her head now. Would you just grab it and just, just try to hold on to it for 30 seconds? Move it around a little bit. It's slippery. It actually starts to hurt if you squeeze it too much. The tongue, the tongue is hard to control. Now, don't touch your neighbor because that'll break COVID policy, okay? But this thing is hard to control. And later on in this message, I'm going to show you why when this happens inside of you, your thoughts and emotions stir, that this thing just gets loose. The tongue is hard to control, isn't it? Look what he goes on to say about the tongue and the power of something so small. He refers to other small things and how powerful they are. I'm going to show you visuals. I'm not even going to show you scripture here. As I read along, you just watch the visuals. Let these visuals stick. This is how much power a tongue has. We put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us. They can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship, for example. A ship, for example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set fire by a small spark. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying bits, 
rudder, spark, tongue. Bits, rudder, spark, tongue. The tongue has such power. Just like the rudder, just like the bit, it is such power. And just like the spark. Look what it goes on to say. The tongue also is a fire. So it's just not a spark. It becomes this fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it's set, and itself set on fire by hell. Look at this picture of this tree. This tree is on fire. It is on fire. It is ablaze. And this is what happens to us with our tongues sometimes. We, in essence, set ourselves on fire, and then we begin to torch everything around us. When I look back at that verse, it says a few things about the tongue. It can go from a spark to a fire. It can corrupt the whole body. It can actually ruin the course of one's life. Isn't that true about the tongue? It can actually ruin the course of one's life. And it can actually be an instrument of hell. Where you're just an instrument of destruction. If this thing, if this thing doesn't get under control. Leads us to our second truth. The tongue is what? Small but powerful. Will you say that with me? The tongue is small but so powerful. This isn't an old problem. James is talking about, he wrote this book about 50 AD. Proverbs was written thousands of years before, okay? Or probably 800 to 1,000 years before. And the reality is this. Look at this line out of Proverbs. The tongue is the power of life and death. Isn't that profound? I always say this. James is just the modern version of the Proverbs. Proverbs and James, what I love about them, short truths laid out, this is how they are. I want you to ponder your life. How has the tongue been used as something that's given you life and something that's caused actual death in you? The line said to you by that person at that one time, I can remember coming off a houseboat in the early 90s. I was volunteering with student ministry, and the guy who was running the, uh, the high school ministry trip that I was volunteering at, as I walked off the houseboat, he yelled to me this, Hey, Brian, did you ever about, think about doing this for your life? And I was like, what did he just say? And I, as I just kind of walked away, I went, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, and I kind of ignored him, but I had been thinking about that. I was thinking about doing ministry for my life. I was a sales guy in the city at the time. I was on vacation and helping out volunteering. And someone said it publicly to me. That created a good fire in me. Does that make sense? But we've all created other fires that have torched, just torched things. I did this as a kid. I'm nine years old. We all played together in the neighborhood. Everybody really from like 5 to 12, you know. It was the wonder years in Pennsylvania. We would be out all day, come back in for dinner, go back out till it got dark. I was with my sister's friends. There was boys and girls of all ages. We sat at the dinner table on that one night when I was nine, and there was a spark that, was, that happened at our dinner table. My sister said this, 
Marcia doesn't really want Rebecca staying with her. Marcia lived four houses down from us. Rebecca was staying for the summer. It was midsummer. Spark thrown out. A little bit of gossip. My mom asked, how did you know that? My sister answered, she told me. Fast forward two hours later, playing Foursquare. I didn't like the call. Guess who made the call against me? Rebecca. Remember, Rebecca was staying at Marsh's house for the summer. Rebecca said I was out because it hit the line or was out of bounds, and I was like, no, it's not. And I wouldn't budge, and she said, you need to go. And I said, no, no, you need to go. <laughs> and she says, what do you mean? And I said, as the fire began to blaze in me, I said, Rebecca, you need to know that nobody wants you here, including Marsha. She stood there. Marcia said nothing. I didn't look at my sister. <laughs> Rebecca turns to Marcia and says, Is that true? No one responded. Rebecca runs to the house she was staying at. My sister escorted me home to my mother. Rebecca left that night, never came back. I torched it. I was nine years old. I was nine years old, and I torched it. You know how many other times I've torched it since then? There's been some other times. And yourself? But there are other times when we don't torch it. We bring grace. We bring peace. We bring the encouragement that was needed like a Stephen's minister in the time of need. But it's important to confess when we torched it or when we torched it because we can be forgiven and we get another chance. And I actually want us to do that right now. Would you take a white card in front of you or just take a quiet moment and confess to the Lord? Just take a moment here, two minutes. Lord, forgive me for when I Use my tongue in this way. Or let yourself just sit there in the quiet to let it rise up and to acknowledge it. Take a moment right now in the quiet. Think it out. What do you need to do? seconds.
we have you do that, not to shame you, but just to show the power of it, the power of our tongues. This is what James goes on to say. Look at James 3, 7 to 8. All kinds of animal, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a bit of a hyperbole. It's taken to an extreme. I actually believe the tongue can be tamed. And James knows that too. But he wants, this, wants us to realize how it can be so out of control. You think about what James has also talked about, trials, temptations. He's told us earlier, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He's told us to take care of the orphans and the widows. He's told us not to be discriminatory towards others. He's told us we should have faith and works. And this is why we need Jesus, if you really get to the heart of it. Because the tongue is hard to tame. Until the heart is touched, the tongue will not be tamed. Did you hear that? Until the heart is touched and endlessly touched and ongoingly massaged by Jesus, the tongue will not be tamed. Just like trials will never get tamed without Jesus, temptation will never get tamed without Jesus. Isn't that true? Our ability to have the right attitude will never get tamed. Our ability to yearn and to help the poor and the widow will never get tamed. Our discriminatory ways and favoritism will never get tamed unless we let Jesus in to do that work. That's what James is wanting this church to know. He's just not calling them these high standards. He's calling them to greater dependence on God. And that's what's and how it's possible to tame the tongue. And look what he says. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. This is verse 11 and 12. And with it, we curse human beings. So we have this duality. We praise God and tell the other person off. All right? They bo- and this, these human beings who've been made in God's image, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, underline, mark this one. This should not be so. Then he goes on to say, can a fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No, it shouldn't. It couldn't. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Fresh water is supposed to produce what? Fresh water. Salt water is supposed to produce what? Salt water. Fig tree is supposed to produce figs. Grapes are supposed to come out of the vine. A spirit-led human being is supposed to produce spirit-led language. Do you hear what he's saying there? And remember, if we change our language, what happens? We change all relationships. And if we change our relationships, we change the world. What I've come to realize this, at our best, we as individuals with individual relationships and in our home and in our work and our community can become the people who bring the gospel in a way without ever proclaiming Jesus, but we can do it with our tongue. And this happens when we do this. When we show up in the midst of that, we're the most gracious and truthful. When we show up and we're bringing parties together to reconcile, when we show up and we're the first to apologize. Remember it said earlier, we all stumble in many ways. Did you apologize this last week to anybody? 
this is the way of grace that James wants us to live into. We can become the people who are the best listeners, who are the best encouragers, who speak the truth in love. Isn't it amazing if we use this tongue well enough, we can speak identity into an individual and, and make them understand who they really are. I sat with an individual today. I related to their family life because I talked to that person about my family life, and we found this mutual bond, and we're a mutual bond in a very mutual way that I actually believe didn't solve the problem but helped lift up the person in the midst of the problem because I used my tongue in a way that God gave it to me to be used. So, as we close out today, I want to give you some helpful ways with your tongue. We teach this all the time in our marriage stuff, and it's so beneficial for all of us. Now, the reality is this. There's one way we could fix our problem with our tongue. We could just tape it, all right? But we got we to move on. We got to speak, all right? And we're back to the reality is how do we tame the tongue? We've got to let God in and we've got to go slow. Remember, James told us everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So we've got to go slow. We've somehow got to slow this down. And then we've got to let God in. So I want to show you, as we close out today, internally, externally, and verbally how to help yourselves. Let's look at the first one, internally. Take a look at this picture on the screen. Take a look at this picture on the screen. Specifically, I want you to see this. Take a picture of that screen. It's going to be beneficial. These next two slides. When circumstances come our way, Here's what happens to us when circumstances come our way. We have these thoughts and we have these feelings. And you'll see the main three thoughts up there. We're walking around wondering if we are insignificant, incompetent, or impotent. And then we have these feelings that are brewing in us around that. And if we don't handle that well, in three seconds, we react. So let me give you a good example. Circumstances. The Niners score. Good thing, right? How do we feel? Oh, we feel significant, competent, and we feel powerful. And we have gladness, and what do we do? In less than three seconds, we, woohoo! they score. But how about this? Your two-year-old kid shows up every morning. Where's mom? Your two-year-old kid shows up to me every morning. Where's mom? And my job's to guard mom so she can sleep. The two-year-old kid shows up. Where's mom? This is the third day. This was happened every day when I had this two-year-old kid. I begin to feel insignificant, not valued. I begin to feel incompetent, not capable. And I begin to feel powerless because this two-year-old has power. And I begin to get mad. And guess what I do? Hey, you can't get your mom right now. I react, don't we? We react like that. God's wanting us in that moment to realize that the tsunami is taking place in us and about to make us start a fire, God's wanting us to get a hold of that, go slow, take a pause, and find a way to respond. Like, hey, would you like some cereal right now? It's a different way out. But that took like 17 tries after 16 reactions. Can you relate to me? Maybe your spouse meets you in a kitchen and confronts you with something. You have a choice to slow down, pause, not react, understand what you're feeling and thought in, 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 in your heart, 
and do the right thing with it. That's internal. I want you to look at external right now. Pretend there's a drone that just came over your conversation. Because if we're responding, we stay in the grace and truth box. So at any point, if you take a picture of this slide, you will know from this point forward where you are when it comes to the discussion you're in. Am I in the grace and truth responding box or am I reacting because of this going on? A lot of people, what happens is they get hit with circumstances and they just go up or right and tell somebody off. Other people, what they do, they get hit with circumstances and you know what they do? They go up or left and stand them off. I don't agree with you and I will not talk to you until you agree with me. Does that make sense? You don't tell them off but you use your body in a different way. Other people give up and just go in the room and cry and feel hopeless. Other people are passive-aggressive and hold on. Does that make sense? And they sneak and carry out their agenda. We've got to know where we are in the conversation in order to get back in the grace and truth box. Look what it says in Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Take a look at this final slide. Take a picture of this slide. It's beneficial. It's new language for you. Because remember, if we change the language, get a hold of our tongue, we change the relationship. If we change the relationship, we change the world, folks. Some of this language is very helpful. You're in a circumstance as you're swirling. Go slow. God, help me. What if you just started to walk around your house instead of having a negative attitude, all right, you got your tongue going the right way and you started walking around. Hey, I like this. Hey, I like that. Hey, I like this. I like that. I try that a lot in my house. It changes my attitude. What if you started to use a win statement? When somebody came at you in a certain way that caused you to react, you responded, hey, when you say that, it makes me feel this way. Next time, could you say it differently? It's a great way to diffuse, diffuse, using a win statement. What if you had a concern, and I can't go into that last part fully, but there's a great way to handle a concern. If Sue has a concern, she should come to me and say, Brian, I have a concern. And then I would say, Sue, tell me your story. Explain it to me. Then I would say, Sue, here's my story. And then without condemning or critiquing her, here's what I would do. Sue, what are our options? What could we do about this? And we map out options, and then we move to action. Here's what we typically do. Sue tells her story. I tell her she's crazy. I tell Sue my story, and I, she tells me she, I'm crazy. We condemn as opposed to just listen. So as we move forward today, I want us to ponder, where are you with taming your tongue? What does God have for you next in this? What is he yearning for you to do? What tool can you take today? And right now, would you put your hands out as a sign of just humility before God, that you're willing to submit to a new way with your tongue? Father in heaven, we acknowledge our tongues are yours. And Lord, we are your people, and you've put seeds in us, and you want us to flourish and create fruit that flows from your goodness. Lord, Use our tongues in a fresh way today. Help us confess it. Help us depend on you. And lead us, Lord, in, in your name for your glory. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California. 
and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.